0: Welcome to another episode of the Loan Recruiter podcast. I'm your host, Brett Clementson. And if you're a recruiter out on your own or just lacking general advice or guidance, you've come to the right place. Our episodes are designed to give you the mentorship, the guidance and the strategies you might need to become the very best loan recruiter. So join us, grab another coffee. Another coffee? A cup of coffee, and let's take your desk to another level. Now, today I am on my quest to interview a hundred top billing uh, recruiters to determine what the ultimate recipe for recruitment success is. And today we are joined by Colin Faulkner uh, from Scottford Hennessy in Perth, and I hope I got that right. Colin, welcome.
1: Almost, uh, yeah, got me right. But Scotford Hennessy with an F at the uh, at the second part. And we're not we're not affiliated with any brandy. Uh, at all, unfortunately. Yeah, excuse
0: so. me. It's Friday afternoon. I, you know, I'm, 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 already thinking about the weekend. So, um, <laughs> there we go. Right. Um, hey, look, good. Colin, welcome. For those, for those of you playing at home, we actually worked together very briefly. Um, in separate offices. Mm. Um, in a previous life, and we've gone off and done on our separate ways, and we've come back around. I want him on the on the podcast because he's, he, I know he's, t- um, a great recruiter, and hopefully he's got some great insights for us today. Um. Uh, but before we kick into the, the five questions I normally ask, just in a nutshell, 60 seconds, Colin, give us, you can give me a life story or you can give me a recruitment story. Just give sure. give give the give, give everyone a picture of, of what we're here for. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. So recruiting for the last 12 odd years now, um, probably a fairly typical story of how I got to recruitment in that didn't go out with the intentions of being a recruiter, but kind of landed in it. Um, one of those kind of awkward conversations where at, at a previous employer, my manager came up to me at lunchtime and went, what are your long-term intentions? And I was like, oh, you're my manager, so I've got to say the right thing. And then she went, you're not loving it, are you? Um, my best mate, who you and I know quite well in, um, uh, she Sally said to me, uh, my best mate Felicity is uh, uh, looking for recruiters. I reckon you should give her a call. And I think that was a Monday, Felicity and I met on Thursday and I started on the following Monday. So the rest, as I say, is history. Um, In terms of recruitment, it's all been white-collar professional roles, uh, had a number of different desks. starting in mining engineering back in the day, did some resi construction for a while um, and then have been mostly in legal for the last seven odd years now, give or take. and with the current role with here with Scoff for Fantasy, it is more of a billing manager type role with um, more management and more billing depending on, it kind of goes up and down depending on which way the wind's blowing, but um, yeah, uh, kind of wearing two hats these days. Um, yeah. I guess that's Fantastic. the recruitment side, family-wise, couple of kids and uh, long-term partner and uh, yeah. Built a new house last year. Thank you, recruitment, for that. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's it.
0: That's it. Recruitment um, builds houses. I, I feel like that's the the go to for most of us because I was actually saying to today in the office, like a lot of the time, what we do there's nothing tangible. There's no product. I mean, it's all it's all advice and it's all like you know we we, we, we place people, but there's no product, no book, there's no like widget, there's no. So, what do we you do? Know. We 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 buy houses that's it that's it (laughs) all right let's jump into it so five questions for you i'm really intrigued to hear your answers let's jump into it yep if you could only have one kpi to measure the success of your desk right now what is that kpi yeah um i think
1: probably something you've heard a bit but um it's just where the rubber hits the road in terms of recruitment it's the the client interview it's mm. the you know the candidate meeting a client. That's where you know that's where it all happens ultimately. So mm. if those aren't happening, then it's a pretty good lead indicator that you're gonna have some problems down the line. Absolutely. um I would add one additional thing to this though, and it's something that I'm working with some of my uh, newer to recruitment um, team members at the moment, and mm. one of them in particular has come from more of a blue-collar, high-volume environment. It is in, transitioning into more of a white-collar, specialised, um, more targeted um, recruitment space. And we're focusing a bit more on that, that what we call a float call, what you and I, Brett, would have called a canvas call back in the day, um, yeah. of actually measuring, all right, how many people are you out there marketing your candidate to? Um, because Sometimes, especially when you're newer in your career or you're not known to your clients out there, you've got a little bit less control about how many interviews you get in a, in a weekly basis. But if you're making those flight calls consistently, you're talking to decision makers, you're, you're talking to people um, potentially accessing roles that your competitors aren't accessing, they're out, you're, you're getting that. You. You're operating more in that rarefied air where you're not one of many in one space. Well, it's so, about it's about
0: it's about getting at the right place at the right time and hitting it with the right thing, and you can only do that through volume of of, of those canvas because offloads 100 percent correct. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's that's <laughs> something we're, we're working on. But ultimately, once you are in the the hum of a, a desk and it's running for you, mm. it's got to be interviews
0: in and that's of... and that's that's a really a, a really interesting point. I uh, won't harp onto it for too long, but we're we're doing that internally at the moment, which is your KPI week to week might actually change. You yep. know what I mean? Like if you're if you're building a desk or you're transitioning from blue collar to white collar, well, your KPI should be different to your KPI or my yep. KPI because we've got a rhythm, a hum, or we've got a focus, or we've got targets that we're already chasing. That's mm-hmm. where our activities need to be. But if you're building a desk or you're trying to work out where your market is, of course, like your KPI this week could actually just be how many meaningful conversations are you having with potential clients to therefore gather a better understanding of what that market looks like, therefore understanding where those interviews are going to eventually come from.
1: One hundred percent. We use a, we could use a scorecard metric. It's essentially a KPI. We report it on a, in our weekly team meetings, um, and everyone in the business, from a, you know from the the admin team through to uh, the big boss, has a set metric. Now we usually set those on a ninety day basis, and then we review them. But we've um, probably just in the last couple of cycles have gone, hey, one, just because we've got that measurable doesn't mean we can't change it within that 90 day cycle to, to make mm-hmm. it a bit more tailored to, okay, where's your desk at now? So that's something a bit new to us in terms of evolving that, that, that measurable throughout the, the course of our quarterly cycles.
0: I feel like we didn't have one KPI just now. I feel like we just covered them all. But anyway, we're going <coughs> we to move on. Did. I love it. If, <laughs> if, if, if you're in a, if it was a speed dating scenario and you had the perfect yep. candidate in front of you, but you had zero time for whatever reason, um, yep. and you could only ask three questions to sure. interview this candidate, what, what are the three that you're going to ask? Okay. Okay. Um,
1: in my head, recruitment is problem solving. And you can't solve the problem until you define the problem. Mm -hmm. So I very much, if I had three questions I had to ask, it would be, um, why are you talking to me today? So essentially getting a reason for leaving. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Non-negotiables in a new job. Um, And what else would I ask them? Um, I actually jotted one, the final one down. Ah, oh, what have you done already? How, what have you done so far in your search? Yeah. Um, and I guess the, the, the there's nothing in that, and I fully appreciate it, there's nothing in that in terms of judging how good that candidate is in terms of technically where they're at and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, there's a lot of assumptions that you may need to make as a result, but I guess that's dealing with the legal space. I can get a pretty good idea of what kind of clients they're operating with, what kind of Mm. work they're doing purely based on the firm that they're with and how many years PAE and that sort of thing. Obviously, there's a lot of devil in the detail to separate individuals out, but I would much prefer to get a mandate in terms of what this candidate is looking for Mm. and be able to go and hit the market and then... Come back to them and go. This is what I've got. Time back to that floating canvassing situation. This is what we've got, and then kind of do a follow up interview that goes into specific stuff around that specific job. Then I would go. You know, I'm going to talk all about what your experience is and have no idea what's actually going to get you out of bed to go to my.
0: And look, you know, you you basically as well. From what I can glean, those questions are around: a Can I help you? Can I solve your problem? And are we going to waste each other's time? You know, and, and that's it, right? And then, and then after that, obviously, you know, this is this is a made-up scenario. Of course, you're not going to ask just three questions. But yours <laughs> are almost like red light, green light, red light, green light. Like if you get three greens, then we're going.
1: Well, it doesn't even necessarily have to be red light, green light. It could be. Yeah, but you are right. We're triaging our time. We cannot we cannot give all this time to every single individual we talk to because there's finite time in a week. Um, and you know, I think of one of my biggest placements ever, equity partner. Um, the final question. It just so happened that that f- the one option that I had was the one option that he hadn't looked at uh, in the market. <laughs> and, but he yes, the man. <laughs> and that's He went to primary school with the hiring hiring manager. So you know, Fantastic. they were mates from eleven years old. So. Um, the kind of the stars align but you know you look at an a grade a grade candidate on paper who's top tier trained and um and all of that and then they come to you and go well i only want another top tier but i've got coverage on five on the other five already they're, mm. they're, they're not an a grade candidate anymore because you, yes you may be able to chip away and get them to go to a global or, or an alternative what have you but you're always coming with prize b yeah. Um, in their minds, whereas a B grade candidate on paper who hasn't touched the market and is a bit more malleable to what, uh, or a bit more understanding of what might be out there could actually suddenly be an A grade candidate because of the-
0: And that's the, it, right? <clears throat> we talk about we talk about A grade, B grade, C grade clients all the time. Where's your yeah. money coming from? Which ones need to work on and which ones are just, we're going to headhunt from. Um, but you know, applying that to candidates, you're right. Like an A grade candidate isn't necessarily the best looking candidate. It's the most placeable candidate, right?
1: Yep,
0: it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. All right, um, moving forward, I like this episode to be quick. Let's say you've, got, you've, you've now got your candidate right at the close, the offers come in from the client. Yep. Um, what's your favorite closing question or what is your favorite closing approach to, to get this person's, you know, stitched sure. up?
1: I think the the latter point that you made there is more how I operate. I'm dealing with lawyers. They do not like being backed into a corner. They make decisions that are risk adverse. This is they negotiate for a living. So you've mm. got to let them have a bit of a win. You've got to let them have thinking time. So I am more of a process closer. Um, it's a you know. Lots of lots of chats, you know, making time with people when they're actually di- paying you full attention, you know, having those chats in an evening rather than when they're looking over their shoulder in an open plan, and just having those strategies around moving them towards that that close. So, you're, so, so
0: this is so this is way before an offer comes out. What point are you starting failure. to close a candidate?
1: Well, well, look, it's that's it, like. I, I, you know, back in the day, I was always, have a verbal offer, get this person wrapped up. But I'm talking to a, you know, get the commitment before we even have paperwork, but you're talking to a lawyer who reviews contracts for a living. Mm. Like, they mm-hmm. they want to look at every single thing. My experience is, they go, yeah, yeah, I'm happy, but, you know, I need to, the devil's in the detail in the contract. So, I very much am i'm not releasing it i'm I'm getting a sense of where they are with other things i'm not just flicking it out there in and letting it go into the ether i'm nursing them through that process but my experience of late has been that you've got it you've got to just put it out there and um and and feel confident that they genuinely want the job Mm. but and that's a process of conversation and relationship building and um and that sort of thing
0: sure and let's just say you get your candidate to sign or agree, yes, I'm taking yep. that job, and you get that call a few days later with the counteroffer has landed, yep. and your yep. candidate's head spinning. Do you have an approach with counteroffer? Yeah.
1: Uh well, if the first time you're dealing with counteroffer is when the counteroffer has landed, then you are so far the <laughs> Hey, Paul, it's not funny. Um, my approach with counteroffer is talk about it early and. Assuming I've got more than three questions to ask in the interview, um, I'm I'm talking. <laughs> <No>. them, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm breaking your 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 guidance. Uh, um, I'm talking about it potentially even at the first interview. Um, if not, then oftentimes I'm doing that scoping kind of conversation first, going back with options, and then going into a deeper interview and in a second conversation. And at that point. Talk, me about, talk to me about resignation, what's the response going to be, you know, how I'm assessing risk in terms of how critical is this individual within the the partner's team structure to go, okay, this is the sole senior associate, and then they've got three grads below them, and then the partner, and the partner's sitting there thinking, shit, if I lose this person, I am back to doing 90 hour weeks because i've got no one doing that that mm. mid, middle level work <clears throat> i've got two-thirds of zero chance of finding another SA in this current market because there's no lawyers out there at that level and i start just mapping how much of a risk it is you know how big a dump truck of money can they back up to this candidate's house to, to get them to stay um, and then at the same time i'm Making the candidate be fully aware it is coming. It is a business decision. It is not necessarily because they think you walk on water. It's all of those risk factors that the, the, the partner is, is is assessing in their own business and making sure that they expect the counter offer so that when it comes, that they think, yeah, this is part of the course, rather than it being a, a flattering pat on the back.
0: And I think, and I think you know every recruiter is the same Counter office yep. starts at interview and you know, it's the younger, newer recruiters. If you're listening and you just, it, it, it comes to you as a surprise. It should not come to you as a surprise. Yep. The current employer is going to say, stay. Um, we had it in our office. <laughs> we had it with a candidate early this week with Aaron and the candidate said, Oh, I told my boss I'm going on an interview and they told me to stay. So I'm going to stay. What? Like just the most bizarre behavior. And he just go, yeah, and that was and early on in the process. So that's why you want to catch yeah. it early. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing.
1: Counter offer the other mistake for young players, if we can put it that way, is thinking counter offer is only financial. Counter offer can be all kinds of different things. It can be structural, it can be, you know, mm-hmm. purely emotional. It can be all kinds of things. So just comes back to your problem
0: solving. Comes back to your problem solving.
1: Comes back to the problem solving. And just educating them in those different forms that it can come so that they're, mm. you know, pre-warned is pre-armed and they know how to handle it and um, and and can, you know, straight bat it. So that, yeah, yeah it becomes yeah. less of a risk. Um, again, the lawyers tend to be, if they've signed a contract, signatures on a dotted line, they're trained to follow through on it. Um, mm. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't have a senior legal counsel pull out two days before the he was due to start after a two and a half month notice period um, wow. that was a fun call to the client
0: well actually uh, brings that brings me to my last and final question which is <laughs> how do you pull yourself out of a slump because I'm betting you that one hit you hard
1: that one that one hit me hard um, that one just what I ended up what I found really it's a client that I've done a lot of work with so he and I basically just got uh, we we're opposite sides of the country but it was just a case of us going uh, yeah a word that I uh, <laughs> you could swear
0: yeah, and you just, could swear
1: just going this is a, a really shitty situation um, mm-hmm. and you know just kind of bonding a bit over it going okay, yeah, this is this is awful. Um, ultimately, I understood why the candidate did it. That was the worst part. The the option had popped up later. It was better for him and his family. So there, mm. you've got to have a bit of empathy as to, yeah. you know, it was a it was a regional role rather than just a Australia role. So there was a whole lot of factors in so it. Ha,
0: so how um, do you so how do you pull yourself out of that slump though? How I how mean, you I bond have, with uh, the client.
1: Yep. So in that case, I bonded with the client. It, And there's a couple of different slumps that I think you can fall into in recruitment. Recruitment burnout is a real thing. And Mm -hmm. I think it's beholden on us, both as recruiters and as managers to identify it. And if it's happening, you need to get your people or yourself out of the office. And I'm not talking about a week, two weeks, three weeks where your entire pipeline dies. A long weekend, a Friday and a Monday, where you go and get your feet in the sand or just Mm -hmm. do something has an amazing rejuvenation effect. You get out of the city, you're just out of, can, you know, that that one day on the side and turn your email off. Nothing is gonna rot on the vine in that amount of time. You've, You've got, hopefully you've got colleagues, you've got, you know, other business partners within a business, whatever that you can lean on who can cover you for a few days, go and, Switch off and rejuvenate. And and you know
0: what I love about that, right? And I'll 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 go to the nth degree around rejuvenation. Like when you're burnt out, it's your nervous system's fried, your adrenals are are blasted. You've just got to get that adrenaline out. You've got to calm down that nervous system. And earthing yourself, or going to the ocean and getting those negative ions, or getting some sunshine, getting some vitamin D, all that stuff. Massages, yoga, love, hugs, fun, laughter. That stuff really is the simplest medicine. Um, But what you're saying there too about you don't need a lot of time. And if you catch it before it's burnout or just before, that's even better. And it will never go full blown burnout where you can't get out of bed. But if you're doing a Friday and a Monday, the other benefit for that, it just came to me is is that stuff will happen Friday, stuff will happen Monday. And most of it can wait. And when you come back on Tuesday, you just see all the good things that are in your inbox and your phone. You know, so you actually come back. That brings me to my
1: second point, which is if it isn't burnout and it's just, everything I touch is turning to shit, the old reverse minus touch, um, which happens. Um, I think I'm a big person for sitting back, making a plan, Uh, and sometimes it's the last thing you want to do, but activity is how you get back on the horse. Make a to-do list, number it, and just start working through it. Start talking to people. Start talking to clients that like you. Go and have a chat with them, even if it's just, uh, you know, we're heading towards Christmas. People are already talking about January start dates, that kind of chat. Can you believe it? Um, you know, those kind of get back on the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just start talking to people. Something will come of that. Go talk to some candidates. That's um, it. You never know. Um, and once you start getting that activity level back, suddenly you, um, and look, I think, the, the beauty of our industry is, you can have a shocking couple of weeks or whatever, and then you get a great candidate who says, hey, I've been referred to you, I'm not talking to anyone else, I've got a great reason for leaving, I'm, uh, you know, I'm willing to look at all of your clients and suddenly, you're
0: back on the horse and you know, yeah. Activity creates activity. Or they've been everywhere. And the one option that they haven't been to is yours. And you've got a brief and their best buddies from primary school. And on that bloody note, (laughs) that's all we have time for you today. Colin, that was amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you. Good to chat. If, okay. So if you enjoyed this episode, listening at home, please give us a five star review. Um, We really do appreciate them Um, or subscribe so that you don't miss another episode as always. Have an amazing day and may all your deals come true.